everyone. Welcome to my first episode of Ed Talks. Um, this will be my first episode ever, so we will give this a shot. Um, I did not think that I would uh, take on this, um, but eventually I was motivated uh, by a friend um, and by my uh, family, by my wife. Yeah, so uh, one of the first uh, w- one of the first uh, things that I wanted to touch on, uh, I guess, to, during the first episode. I wanted to, uh, you know, keep it keep it to something that I was that was personal to me more than anything, um, and and the and it can it can become uh, it can become a little bit tough uh, because you don't want necessarily just for the podcast to be about yourself. That is definitely not what this podcast uh, will be about. But of course, you know, here and there, I will uh, I will share personal stories. Um, and in this first episode, it, it, it is close. It is close to it, it is close to me. Of course, it, it hits it hits home. Uh, we will uh, attempt uh, to answer and, and provide some information about what DACA is, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So, in this conversation, uh, in in this discussion, we will um, you know try to tackle parts of the immigration system. So this is about immigration, DACA. I am a current DACA recipient uh, myself. I have been a DACA recipient since 2012. I know that a lot of people have questions about what DACA is. And the reason is because they have friends, co-workers, um, neighbors um, that are DACA recipients. And I want to let people know what DACA is through this platform. Of course, you can just Google it. You can just do Yahoo, if that's still a thing, um, and find out yourself. Uh, but I know, you know, lives are busy and, and podcasts have become such a common way to obtain your information. And and I, w- I would just like to give people my perspective and, and provide some facts about what DACA is and what DACA is not. Um, and, and we will we, we will attempt to attempt to do that. Um, I hope you can follow along. Uh, I will just I will try to make this as clear and concise as I possibly can for you. And yeah, more than anything, if you are listening, uh, thank you so much for your support and and thank you for taking the time after work, before work, before you go to sleep to listen uh, to this uh, first episode of what is DACA. So. DACA is a program, and I would say is a program because it is it is currently active, but it's only active for renewal renewal purposes. Um, you can no longer apply uh, for DACA. Um, DACA was established in in June of 2012 by then Secretary of Homeland Security Janet Napolitano. Um, and it was due to wide efforts for many years by activists uh, from the immigrant and, and, and from the BIPOC community. Um, so it was not something that just appeared out of thin air or out of a, uh, out of a miracle. Um, it, it was something that had been worked on for many, many, many years by, um, by immigrants and, and by activists uh, from all the backgrounds, uh, from, yeah, from, from different uh, walks of life. They have worked on this for for decades to make something, even if it wasn't permanent, uh, possible. 
So back, so like I've mentioned, it was established back in 2012. Um, and I would make, I will, I would like to make this clear. DACA does not give you legal status or residency or citizenship if you were eligible for the program, applied, and you were granted uh, DACA. That is a common question that I receive. For example, well, if you can work um, and you have a social security, you have a driver's license, why can't you travel outside of the country? So it's just like a quick assumption, right? And at no fault of their own, there are a lot of people that have never had the opportunity, which in a way it's it's good. <laughs> They have never had uh, uh, the opportunity to navigate the immigration system, which at times it can be tough. Uh, of course, every story is different. Uh, it is it is definitely a subjective, uh, uh, um, I guess, topic and into situation for for different for different people for for various reasons. Uh, it, DACA is not the only immigration program that is out there, of course. Uh, but I think it, it is an assumption that is made without having to think about it, having to think about it in depth um, before you ask those questions that are very sensitive, right? Well, you should go here. You should travel here. Um, you should come with us to Europe or or something like that, <laughs> right? And I know that sounds a little harsh, but just think about how that might sound for the one receiving that question that has never been able to leave the country and 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 yeah has never had that privilege so one thing that i will say the purpose of this podcast and this episode is to stay informed ask uh empathetic and respectful questions to those that you that have shared that information with you right that is so sensitive and it is because if they share that with you it is because they trust you um so it is impo important to To, to be willing to listen and, and to really think about before you make assumptions about anything related to their life and, and their immigration status. So more currently, as, as of today, um, more than 800,000 um, people have qualified for DACA, which they have applied and they were granted um, DACA. Um, and this is since, of course, since 2000, uh, since 2012. Um, and that is only a small portion, uh, a small portion of the of the population that was eligible for for that program. And and later on, I will go into the details um, and the requirements of the program when it was open for first time applicants. I do want to uh, make that clear. It is no longer open as of right now. We are not sure if it will be a, a permanent decision. Uh, but as of right now, it is only um, open for renewal. So you were able to apply back in 2012 uh, and for the years that it was open for new applicants. And now um, you still have it and it is it's something that you are able to do uh, to continue to have um, through a renewal process. Um, a, a couple of uh, a couple of the requirements uh, are in order to to be eligible for for DACA are at Before 2012, June, June 15, 2012, uh, you were under the age of 31. So at that point, for example, that that is that was just a major barrier and obstacle for folks that did not meet that first criteria. So that was really tough and that excluded millions and millions of people, unfortunately. Um, you have to have entered the U.S. prior to turning 16 years old. Uh, and the main focus of this program, once it was enacted, um, it was enacted with the 
with, with the message that it was to provide relief uh, as, it, as it stated um, what, what tra- DACA translates to is uh, deferred action for childhood arrivals it's for those uh, children that did not have a choice when they were brought to the United States um, and that is in, in a way as what was I believe more could have been done of course uh, and, and that was just like an acceptable first action because you're talking about children right um so at the time of course you this other requirement was that you had to be 16 years old um when you had when you first entered the united states and of course you had to had continued continuously reside in the u.s um since june 15 2007 and be present the whole of course from that time until the time that you applied and of course being physically present in the u.s from june 15 to 2012 and at the time of course that you were applying uh for uh for daca um another one of the requirements was that you had to be in school whether that was in high school college or graduated high school or had obtained your ged um, or had been an honorably, honorably discharged uh, U.S. Uh, veteran. Um, and of course, another key uh, requirement was that you, you had not been convicted of, an, of any felony offense or significant misdemeanor offense or multiple m- misdemeanor offenses. Um, and I should have said this from the very beginning, and I apologize, but uh, please, listeners, do not take this as legal advice. This is just my perspective of the DACA program, and I am just providing a few facts about the program just to, um, you know, get rid of some myths and, and just uh, some misinformation that might be out there or, or just to remove those assumptions that people might make about, like I said, colleagues or friends or neighbors that have talked to you about having DACA, for example. So, you know, going back to, you know, the stories uh, of, of who are the people that are DACA recipients, right? We can't forget, and it is just not just to forget the millions of others that are not eligible for this program. So I, for one, I, I feel fortunate to to have been able uh, to apply uh, in 2012. It has changed my life completely uh, from the fact that I have, uh, that I was able to obtain a driver's license. If that, that was a major step to having a little bit of stability and, 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 and working full time and, and pursuing some of my dreams, for example, like going to college and studying for, um, studying anthropology and, uh, and entering the, the professional field, for example. So I have worked in education for, for a few years now, uh, mostly in the nonprofit sector. So that's just one small example of how that little piece of paper, that little card can, can change your life uh, significantly. Um, one of the things that is uh, unfortunate in a way, uh, anytime that you, that uh, lawmakers are trying to make a case for immigrant, uh, for immigrants and, and for a pathway to citizenship or, or for documentation, um, unfortunately, they have to talk about what they're what they're bringing to the economy uh and and it's it, and it should not be the first thing that is talked about but of course you know in a capitalist system it, it is something that is uh prioritized and it's and it's emphasized on but not necessarily just for uh, the immigration system or the uh, or the immigrants that are coming here to the u.s but in in many areas right when um when it comes to policy making it, it you have to take a look at 
the economy? How is it affecting the economy? How much are these individuals bringing to the economy? Um, and there are a few facts that uh, that make a strong case about DACA recipients. And if for those that want to look at and look at that argument, how much are these individuals bringing to the economy? Well, um, a DACA recipient household pays, for example, $6.2 billion in federal taxes and $3.3 billion in state and local taxes each year. Um, and of course, after taxes, these households um, also have a spend a spending power of $25.3 billion. And currently, they own 68,000 homes. Um, and also, they are making approximately $760 million in mortgage um, payments. And on top of that, $2.5 billion in rental payments annually. Uh, and of course, if DACA is ever um, removed or, you know, completely, uh, you know, taking out as an immigration program here in the States, well, it would put all of that in, uh, in, in jeopardy. Um, so that is one fact about uh, DACA recipients and what they are currently bringing to, to the economy here in the United States. Um, and of course, in starting in late 2019, I, th- I, think it was late 2019 when the pandemic was first uh announced or when we had a first glimpse uh, i know my sometimes in my mind i feel like i'm still in 2020 like anytime i talk with my wife julie about for whatever reason writing down a date or something i'm like hold on is it 2023 2021 20 what is it again okay we're in 2023 i was about to say that we were now in 2024 see it, it's still happening it's just like it was such a surreal time and that I'm still trying to grapple with it um there was a huge emphasis of course in 2020 and 2021 in the healthcare healthcare sector and the educational sector uh in regards to what we categorize as essential workers in my opinion everyone is an essential worker our society does not function without one or the other everyone is clear clear uh, critical towards the f- function of of our society from uh from those that pick up our trash from uh, from our teachers from uh, those the people that work at the airport uh from the people that work at restaurants everyone makes society run does everyone is an essential worker and not not just in that moment in time within those two years um that that it was decided that oh these are essential workers everyone is an essential worker and of course it was so important to to shine a light on 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 the workers that had already you know been exhausted in 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 other in in other times in uh, you know at other times for example our healthcare workers in our education lack of funding um they have always always uh always been essential um across the united states for example 14,900 daca recipients uh are currently teachers teachers i should say um and and of course they had to go through all those obstacles and and that hard time of bringing the classroom um to the digital uh to the digital classroom and it is my understanding for example that in california there are um close to five thousand uh teachers in california and a a few thousand um in, in the state of texas um so it it just goes back to to my initial uh, 
thoughts on, on on who DACA recipients were. You know, they are your neighbors, they are your colleagues. Um, you might not know of that. You you might not know that. Um, you might not be aware of it. Uh, but they are here. You know, and like uh, we like to say, we are we are here to stay. Um, it, it, but it, but it is a complicated uh, conversation for sure to have. Even even as someone that is not affected. Uh, if you are someone that is not affected and that you are not a part of this program and, and you have the privilege to to not have to go through any of those obstacles, it, it can be a very sensitive topic and it can be a very uh, sensitive conversation um, to have. But, you know, if you ever do or find yourself in, in, in a conversation uh, where you want to know more, you want to be more curious about the person that might, you know, might be a beneficiary of this program, but you just don't know how to approach it. I think it's more than anything, it's about being empathetic and, and, and making sure that you are informed uh, more than anything, uh, because right now we have access to so many tools um, where we can uh, check the facts and, 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 and determine what are what are the right questions, right? Especially if those people are are your friends. And as I've mentioned at the beginning of, of the podcast, currently DACA is not active in the sense that it's, it's not accepting uh, the program. It's currently not accepting new applicants, unfortunately, which it was such such a just a just a very sad decision. Um, and, and it's just going through through the courts uh, and, of course, you know, through different uh, political obstacles on the left and the right. Um, but it's uh, it, it, it was a very unfortunate decision to 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 pass uh, the new applications because um, it, it, it has changed so many lives. Right. Uh, it's not perfect. Of course, it is not perfect. I do want to make my say myself clear. It is definitely far, far from perfect. But the simple fact that it was just paused and and and, and now it's been um, uh, trying to be completely, um, for lack of a better word, canceled um, by uh, by politicians from different states on uh from conservative states um from this small step that that was accomplished by by activists you know that have made done so much work uh, you know in, in in immigration and and um in other in, in other areas of, of of social justice um it, it is really unfortunate and and it should not be that way it should have been kept that uh, that small hope, right? And and of course, the fight it's not over. Um, you know, it's I, I think ever ever since if you ask a DACA recipient, it's that was just an, that was just another step, right? Because they've been hide they've, they've their them and their families have been fighting their whole lives to to navigate the immigration system and and to navigate life here here in the United States. Um, in on October 6, uh, 2022, um, it is my understanding that DACA was uh, considered unlawful, which is it is a pretty huge um, conclusion to to until until at, until that point uh, at that point to have categorized it as such. Uh, the implications of that are still uh, to to be determined. Like I've mentioned, it is still going through different. Um, to, through different courts and it is my understanding that a ruling it's still it's still pending but then again we don't that things move so slow that we just don't know what what will that be 
Um, but at the moment, like I've mentioned, it's only uh, renewals for those that were eligible and, and were able to obtain during the time, during the years that it was open for new applications, whether that was later, later after 2012 or right, you know, right when it was enacted in, into the, in June of uh, 2000, uh, 2012. Um, this is the, perhaps one of the few only uh, immigration related topics that I will touch on uh, during the first season. Uh, but it, but it, it is close to home, of course, being a DACA recipient, having friends and having siblings that are DACA recipients as well. Um, I think it was important to me to um, to to tackle some of some of those myths, right, about what DACA is and what DACA is not. Uh, and just as a reminder, again, no DACA recipients cannot just go back and forth and go travel to places. Unfortunately, the U.S. they they must stay in the U.S., um, yeah, which is it is uh, really uh, re- really unfortunate because it, it's it, it still once again puts that. Uh, restriction on you even if you are able to do certain things right so you you, you still have that uh that uh I, I guess you you could call it just that concern and, and just worried and, and and that fear around you that that comes with that right like that you are still excluded for from certain things and for and from certain um events and for certain uh sectors of of society right that 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 require travel whether you're a professional or whether you just a desire to go to go somewhere there are millions of immigrants of course in the shadows uh, that did not have the opportunity to to obtain daca and and i you know and i always you know i always w- want and i always want to 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 make that clear and, and continue to to spread the message that there are close to 13 millions of other undocumented immigrants that that there's there's deserve a path uh to 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 stability in regards to their immigration status um everyone deserves a just and humane path towards documentation it's not just about one group or or, or one group of uh of immigrants that is considered, you know, the, the professional or, you know, part of the professional sector or how much they bring to the economy because every immigrant has, um, that has set foot here in the United States has contributed to, to the, the prosperity of this, of this nation. Um, and of course, you know, we still have hope that, that, that there will be a path, uh, to to documentation for 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 the millions of immigrants you know for from all over the world and and that we finally have the the correct leaders to to deliver and, and finally uh deliver on their promise and as always um stay informed continue to learn from others and do not make assumptions if you like this uh podcast uh send us messages on my uh on my instagram uh page of ed talks um, and yeah, we hope you enjoyed, uh, this first, uh, episode. I truly enjoy talking about this and I apologize if at uh, times I was all over the place. It is my first crack at it. Um, uh, but uh, I'm sure it will only get better. Thank you so much. Y como decimos, hasta luego.